ho, righty ho, righty ho. We are back. It is episode, what episode is it? Episode five. five. Oh my Lord, it's episode five. So I am Rob and this is Two Socks. Sarah. <laughs> Sorry. It's going to be Two Socks Sarah from, from now to eternity. Yeah, oh, you're one fair. sock. <laughs> With my, I've only got one sock, yeah. I only need one yeah. sock. What have you been up to this week, Sarah? Seen anything good on the telly box? Oh, uh, I have. I saw Onward. I rented that, which is animation by Disney. That was that was good fun with the kids. Oh, what else have I watched? I watched Men in Black, the international one as well, with Chris Hemsworth in it again. Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> Nobody I guess that I'm a fan or anything. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Extraction wasn't enough for you. Sarah, yeah, you had, you had to yeah, full on. Yeah. yeah, I watched ex- I watched Extraction, and uh, yeah. I can I can see why he took the offer on to do that role. I mm. thought that was a, a bit of a safe movie after all of the yeah. Avengers nonsense. It was yeah. good. I enjoyed it. The action scenes were amazeballs, mm. but there wasn't that much more to it, was there really? <laughs> but Chris Hemsworth was in it. Oh, uh, yeah. That's all you need. Gorgeous, isn't he? He's absolutely yeah. gorgeous. I'm glad you like him too. <laughs> uh, what else did I say? I saw Misbehaviour. Okay. Uh, yeah, that was quite a good one. Uh, Kira Knightley, We Sevens, about women's rights in the 1970s and how a bunch of women stormed the stage of the Miss World competition. And that was good. Also, I came across this cool TV drama, um, which is called State of Happiness, which is on BBC4. It's been dubbed the Mad Men of the Oil Industry. And it's this Norwegian-US drama. I watched the first episode about 11 at night. I think they're like 50-minute episodes. And I was on episode four or five at about two or three in the morning. Wow. It was amazing. It's my new... Gripping. Was it gripping? New, it's definitely gripping. It's my new favourite TV thing. But this isn't about TV, is it? It's about film. Exactly. So what did we watch this week? We watched Schindler's List. You caught me off guard there. Schindler's List and Cube. Not the cube, just cube. That's right. Yeah. So I lo- I love to get your thoughts on this. I watched this just after it was released on DVD. It came out in 1997. And to, for me, it was completely different to what I've seen before in regards to a horror or thriller. But however, we chose this as a sci-fi last week um, because it was down on IMDb as sci-fi. It's short, it's an hour and a half long, um, it doesn't need to be any longer I don't think and it also has some some lesser known actors, actors really that have been in, in TV series, multiple ones and, and ranging from Canadian to, to English ones and it's directed by Vincenzo Natali and he's also directed episodes of Lost in Space and Westworld so he's got a bit of a sort of sci-fi thriller background anyway with, with some of his directing and he made this in 20 days and it was in time for the Toronto Film Festival and just costing 365,000 Canadian dollars which is very low budget and it actually won some international and Canadian film awards which is great. It's about six people who are imprisoned in a giant cube, or you could call it a maze, uh, but they're made of many smaller cubes, call them rooms, I guess. They have an exit on each side of the cube. However, some of these rooms that you go into are deadly. And it's really, as normal thrillers and horrors go, it's the strongest or the cleverest that will survive. I'll leave it to you, so tell me your thoughts now. 
Okay, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try and talk about this though without giving away any spoilers. I know it's lots of lots of twists and turns, and I think if yeah, if we talk about too much of the plot, I think okay. we are gonna give some spoilers away. Yeah, on the plot front, basically, as Sarah says, six people, and it's up to these six people who are effectively just thrown together to first of all figure out why the hell they're there, and also obviously how to navigate their way out of the maze and also at the same time ensure that they don't go into a booby trap room um, in which case horrible things happen and it's fair to say that the scene that opens the movie i thought was brilliant is this very gaunt looking man dressed like a prisoner no dialogue he lands into the center of this cube-like room freezes and then the only way you can describe it, you know, you used to get those wire cutters uh, contraptions right, yeah. that used to slice eggs, yep. boiled eggs. Yeah. Basically, this giant egg slicing like contraption, literally. He was the egg. He was the egg. He sliced into lots of small <laughs> egg-like pieces. Yeah. And it is absolutely so, oh my God. You know, you right at the start. Right at the start. And I just thought, wow, that is amazing. And it's, and it's what I found really, really quite bizarre about it is it wasn't, even though obviously it's pretty horrific, it's a terrible way to go. It wasn't gory. Maybe people think it's, it wasn't gory. There wasn't like blood splurting everywhere. It was this really weird, mm. clin- clinical, clean, strange, weird, horrific death. And you're like, wow, okay, this is, this is, this is going to be interesting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, so a really, really amazing start. And then what you get is the, these, these collection of characters who kind of appear through these hatches all effectively find themselves in in one room. I think there's five initially, and they're all from different backgrounds. No one knows anyone. No one knows how they got there. Whilst at the start, they're all very together, and they're all quite keen to find solutions Um. and use their collective minds to try and figure out any clues they can see. Slowly over time, as they make their way through one hatch to the other with various different consequences, everything starts to become a bit blurred in terms of allegiances, in terms of whether people are who they say they are. You get these glimpses, I would say, of backstories that start to show some connections between the characters. But it descends almost into this Lord of the Flies type scenario where everyone's really gunning for themselves. Do you like any of the characters at all? So the the biggest issue I had with the movie is that I found it hard to invest in any of the characters. I found the characters to be quite two-dimensional. And whilst I thought the concept of this film and the ambition of the film, because that's the big thing for me, is it's a fantastic concept. And as I say, very, very ambitious. And I almost felt that the, the fact that it was low budget had a certain charm to it, but the flip side meant I didn't think that the script writing and dialogue matched it. And so because of that, I found some of the performances were perhaps a bit over the top. Mm. Um, But it was strange. I was watching it thinking, but is this because, you know, they themselves are putting on an act? For example, the the main alpha male of the Mm. group from the beginning is this character called Quentin, who's, who's a cop. 
And just briefly running through the characters, you've got this young girl called Levin who has this incredible mathematical mind, which yep. you know, which is used to try and help them figure out a way out when they when they see these serial numbers in each of the rooms. You have this doctor called Holloway. You have this character called Worth, who's a very mm-hmm. subdued character who who when we first see him and for, for the first 20 minutes of the film, he just seems to sit by himself. He doesn't really say much. And we later learn that he actually is an engineer and there's a connection between his profession and the actual environment that yeah. they're in. I'm not going to say any more than that. Yeah. One of my favourite characters <laughs> is a guy called Ren, who himself is a prisoner. He's known for being a prisoner who's escaped all these prisons. Yeah. So I guess you could almost call him an escape artist. Unfortunately, he doesn't last as long as I would have hoped in the film. And then you have another character called Kazan. Kazan, yeah. Kazan who's yeah. um, a kind of a mentally challenged guy who can't speak very clearly and has these bouts of anxiety. So as I say, this kind of mesh of different characters... Quentin, who becomes the leader, I found it strange that to begin with, he seems very calm and very clear. Only 20 minutes later, he's, he's kind of lashing out and losing it. In the same way, you have the young girl, Levin, who, when we first meet her, she's almost hysterical at what's going on. And then as soon as she realizes she might better use her math skills, as it were, to help, that all goes away and she becomes very confident. It seemed very out of character. But as I was watching, I thought, is this because they themselves are putting on an act to other people because Mm -hmm. they're not really who they seem? And so because of that, I didn't find it it a huge distraction. I kind of got used to it. Yeah. And because it was low budget and because every single scene is set in a very similar cube, slight differences in in the lighting and what have you, I thought it had a very theatrical feeling to it. I felt that as well. It's got some of it you felt was made up as they went along. Almost. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and, and it's, once I thought about it like that, you know, the, the, the bits that I weren't sh- wasn't sure about, like the script and the dialogue and, and the, you know, the depth of character, they didn't seem to matter too much because then I almost saw it as like a stage play. So I found it hard to get a grip on it. But the, the, the kind of lingering thought for me, absolutely loved, loved the concept. And whilst on reflection, I thought it was more of a piece of theatre than something cinematic. I also thought giving the filmmakers the benefit of the doubt that this theatrical feeling was most likely down to the fact that it's a low-budget movie and it's part of the whole idea behind it. You say 20 days to shoot it, because I I read that some of the set design ideas they had, they couldn't achieve because they ran out of money. So, yeah, for me, in summary, I would say really, really big ambition, love the ambition, love the central concept. I like the fact that there was this unresolved mystery that ran throughout the whole thing. The the opening scene, I genuinely think it's one of the coolest opening scenes I've ever seen (laughs) in the film. I really do. But I just think, because there was that ambition and such an amazing opening, it just probably fell a bit short. But I would much prefer to watch filmmakers, if you were shooting for the sky, trying to make something really ambitious, intelligent and interesting and coming up a bit short, perhaps, than making something safe, middle of the road, kind of cookie cutter. So Mm. what are your thoughts? Because this is the second time you saw it. Remind us how long ago it was that you first saw it. So it's nine, well, probably I saw it in 1998, maybe a little bit later. But I did find out 
about this film is that all the characters in it were named after prisons. You've got Levin Prison or Le- uh, Leavenworth Prison, and you've got Kazan or Carson, which is a mental institute as well. And that's why we've got this autistic person playing that character. So whatever the prison was renowned for, that character had some of those, that personality, let's just say, to match. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so I found that out. I liked it again, but maybe not on the same scale as I liked it the first time because it was so different. And I think it's because I've seen some other films more recently. So this was done in 1997. Saw, done in 2004, has a similar aspect to it, I would say. And also Maze Runner. There are some similarities in some more recent films to this film, I would say. So I don't know whether they were fans of this film or it was just a very different concept that they wanted to run with this concept as well. I would love to ask the writers and directors that question where they came up, you know, with Saw and Maze Runner. Um, I know Maze Runner was obviously from a book, uh, but Saw and less so, I think so. So for me, can I, can I rate it myself first or would you like to go first? I know you go first. For me, I'm actually going to rate it six and a half or seven because it's still good, but it's not as high quality, I would say, as some other sci-fi and thriller and horror movies, let's just say, like Misery or feed me some other films. Saw is is a real suspense thriller uh, or horror as well. So what they've done with it on such a low budget, and the reason why it's low budget is because the uh, special effects crew did not charge a penny because they knew (laughs) it was going to be entered into the Toronto Film Festival. They wanted to have their name up there with the crew, I guess. And I guess then more business followed on after that. Um, but yeah, six and a half for me. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. It's happened again. I mean, that's what that was my score as well. The reason it's six and a half is really just because of the limitations that were placed upon it because of its budget. It was the film Saw that I was thinking of when I was watching mm. it. These are not the kind of films that I normally gravitate towards. Um, no. I mean, Saw Saw was a lot more, from memory, a lot more gory or horror-like than this. However, yeah, that's the feeling I got from it. And it's it's psychological as well. It's all psychological thriller, both of those. Yeah. Cube and and Saw. So I can't believe we both went 6.5. I was so curious to know what you were going to give this. I thought, she's not going to give the same as me. Uh, But there you go. (laughs) (laughs) It's happened again. It has, but let it, let's see what the next film. Why did we pick this one to go first? By the way, Rob. <laughs> well, I know I thought we'd start on a upbeat note. We? <laughs> what so a jolly we... a jolly film, Cube. <laughs> I know, but it's all relative. It's all relative. <laughs> so what's up next, Rob? What is it? <laughs> it's Sh- it's Shinder's list. It's Shinder's <laughs> list. Uh, and when 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 um, I picked this film from you last week, your reaction was classic. Was you're, like, like, oh. you're like, oh! <laughs> <laughs> I thought, oh no, what have I done? She's picked drama, and she's probably not expecting Schindler's List. And uh, this is why I feel really bad. And this is why I blame the IMDb genre like, <laughs> allocation because I bet everyone probably was expecting something maybe slightly more. Uh, I don't know. Uh, uplifting but Schindler's List did come up did come about yeah. through the week of VE Day so I thought it, yeah, so it was it's as you pointed very out apt. very mm, very apt 
Yeah. And I'm surprised it's not written down as a war film. It's more documentary, isn't it, uh, really, on IMDb? Yeah, exactly. So shall I set this one up? Go on, uh, then. And then you, on. you can, crikey, I don't know where we even start with this one, but you can tell me what, what you think. So <laughs> the film recounts the story of Oscar Schindler, who is played by Liam Neeson. It's set in Krakow during the Second World War in 1939 when the Germans had forced the local Polish Jews into the overcrowded ghetto. You have Oscar Schindler, who arrives as this German businessman. Um, He arrives from Czechoslovakia, and he only really has one thing on his mind, which is to make money. Mm -hmm. Um, And he sees an opportunity to use the Jews as cheap labour. He is a bon viveur, manipulative, charismatic party animal uh, to a degree. He loves parties, he loves women, he loves money. And he's very well connected to the Nazi party and spends a lot of his time bribing them, lavishing them with gifts for his own political gain. And in doing so, he manages to persuade them to allow him to set up this enamels factory. And he then befriends a Jewish accountant, a guy called Itzhak Stern, who's played by Ben Kinsley, to go out into the local Jewish community to get investment that would allow Oscar Schindler to build this factory. So Oscar Schindler uses the Jews to pay for the factory. In return, he gives them jobs. He can't pay them, but instead he pays them with the products that the factory makes. But most importantly, in doing so, he protects them and he looks after them. So he's all, they almost gain immunity from all the atrocities that are going on around them. You then have this uh, SS officer, Amon Goeth, who is played by Ralph Fiennes, who arrives in Krakow to oversee the construction of this local concentration camp. This guy is a, he almost seems psychopathic. He brutally mistreats the Jewish made that he personally selects and he randomly shoots people from the balcony his his villa his prisoners are in constant fear for the for their lives and once this concentration camp is built with the help of jewish workers he then orders the it's a horrible term obviously the liquidation of, of the jewish ghettos oscar schindler from the top of a hill on horseback watches this this massacre and is is very deeply affected by it. And slowly but surely, Schindler goes from a man who's really only concerned with making money, but he starts to see this the, the inhumanity of what's going on and, and starts to shift towards someone whose goal is to not just protect his workforce, but save as many lives as possible. And when the concentration camp is ordered to close as, as the Germans started to, to lose the war, there's then the um, part of the film where all of the workers are transported off to to Auschwitz, to the death camps. And it's at this point that Schindler has the opportunity to to do something. And he endeavours to try and save as many of these Jews from death by creating a workforce for a for a factory he wants to build closer to his home. Yeah. Uh, and that list, of course, is known as Schindler's List. So that's the main storyline. I'll give my thoughts afterwards. Let me know. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's Shall a I give bit... my rating now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nah, so it's, uh, no, it's, um, it's quite, a, I think the reason why I went, oh, when, when you, you told me the name of the film last week to review for this week is because it's such a long film. It's 
three hours and 15 minutes long and given cube was only an hour and a half it was just like oh okay they compensate for each other in some in some ways it's a very hard hitting film i did watch it in the cinema i believe the first time and i already knew what had gone on through you know history classes just general knowledge what had gone on in world war Two with the jews and it just really brought it to life on on screen it's very well played by Liam Neeson as Oscar Schindler. I don't think he was a huge party animal, actually. I think he only did the partying because he wanted to get the, the Nazi soldiers on side. And that was a way to, to show his appreciation. He gives them good parties flowing with wine and beer and to get them to like him. And um, also to get his name out there amongst all the rest of the soldiers. And it certainly worked in his favour and it showed his power as well. But if you move to other parts of the country and people didn't really know who he was, it was, it was quite interesting to see that later on in the film. He was a bit of a ladies' man. I was a bit surprised because he was married and his wife didn't seem to, you know, bat an eyelid really when she arrived one day to his new home, which was formerly a Jewish home or a Polish person's home. And it, it was, she just didn't seem to, to mind at all. It was very strange marriage, that relationship that they had. And she would come and go throughout the film as well. The main supporting actor, um, Eamon Goeth, played by Ralph Fiennes, played excellently as well, was grotesque, I would say. He was a party animal, drank too much, treated people with little respect, beat women, randomly shoots the Jews from his balcony on a concentration camp. And he was just a horrible, horrible character. But Schindler, it was quite interesting to see Schindler try and gain his trust and try and sway him and tame him in some respects as well. And there was one scene in, in, in the film where I thought was was quite funny. It was when Goeth was trying to be nice to people and it lasted literally about, 30 seconds before he was then starting shooting more people but there was a glimmer of him being nice to about three people for a very short period of time many games were played throughout between these two characters Goeth and Schindler um, but where Schindler knew there was a weakness was with his attraction to Helen Hirsch who was played by Embeth Davids who I recognise as actually Miss Honey from Matilda <laughs> to be honest and Goeth selected Hirsch as his maid from a lineup, he asked, "Put your hands up if you've done some housekeeping before." People put their hand up, but he was instantly attracted to to Hirsch, and he chose the person that had the least skills. Goeth pretty much beats her. Schindler knows there's this attraction, and and he also knows it's forbidden to be in a relationship with a Jew as well. And he also tries to get her on side to understand a bit more about Goeth and also for her to trust him in this. He was trying to get Jews on side, he was trying to get the Nazi Germans on side. It was very much gameplay. He was trading with items and people. I don't know whether I liked him or disliked him really. And it was interesting because Stern was petrified. His accountant or businessman that was alongside him, he was seen as really the hero, I would say, in the whole of this. It, he was pretty much afraid of him, obviously, being he's, he, Schindler was a German. And I think he grew to become partners, I would say, in the whole film. And at the end, that bond between them and Schindler saying, I could have saved more people. He saved, he saved over a thousand Jews 
which is incredible. I'm getting goosebumps just by saying that as well. It's a very emotional film throughout, especially at the end. I was I was in tears at the end when they were told that the war was pretty much over. Well, they were liberated, they were told, and there was no real reaction. They, I think they were just numb from going through absolute hell. So many people had died that were their loved ones or you know friends. They had nothing really to celebrate because they didn't really know where they were going to live as well. So it was really hard hitting, and it's not a story. It's this is this was you know. You, every time you, you think this really happened and throughout the whole film Spielberg who's the director for the film who's a wonderful director he doesn't really leave much to your imagination you see a lot of scenes that are quite hard to watch um, from where Jews were of very rich living lavish lifestyles to being forced out of their own homes to move into temporary accommodation in the ghettos and then later in, in the concentration camps and there's a lot of ash flying around sort of later in, later in the film, showing obviously where people are being gassed and burned, etc. as well. It was just seemed like complete madness that this could have actually happened. It really does. And you do get a glimmer of what it was like to be the Germans in this film as well. There was a scene where you could see the Germans completely gone mad and you kind of, it must have been really hard for some of them as well to go through this this genocide partaking in it i i'm i'm going to really struggle to rate this film because there'll be so many people that have so many differences in opinions so you know we're looking at really strong acting critics choice oscar winning film but a lot of this will really hit their own families because some of their families would have been through some of this um, themselves or there would have been people that would have been in the war may have seen some of this as well so I I don't think I can I don't want to rate this film today because I just don't think it's rateable I know it's it is a critic's choice it's very strongly acclaimed film but from a personal perspective I, I don't want to rate this film I think that's a really nice sentiment I have to say, and, I, and and that actually brings me to a point that I found when I was watching this. And, and this is something that apparently Spielberg also struggled with. He was very reluctant to make the film because he was conscious that it was just going to be so hard for people to watch it. Now, would, would an audience even just tolerate such a realistic, mm-hmm. stark uh, telling of this chapter in, in history said on many occasions he he accepts obviously it's impossible to reflect what actually happened um mm. it's impossible all he can do is i suppose shine a light on it and this for me is almost a film it feels like an, an important film for people to watch and i use as you say maybe less about watching it because as we all know it's you know a multi-oscar winning film and it's always rated as one of the you know the most highly acclaimed films but you know Spielberg said one of his quotes is you should care about this film if you care about people and if you care about humanity and I think that's absolutely right for me it's just a film you just you you should you should try and watch Mm. Um, I thought there was a lovely part of this film towards the end when the workers give Oscar this ring and they, they melt this and they actually use the gold um, <laughs> this of, teeth, yeah. on the teeth of these yeah. workers. They melt this gold down. They, they 
they make this ring and they inscribe it with the line of he who saves one life saves the world in time, which is this Hebrew inscription. And I think given that Schindler saved 1300, but it's it's been estimated that if you look at all the descendants, he's saved yeah. over 6,000 descendants. Mm. And I think that's that's just the main thing that comes out of it. I mean, I was watching it at times and that there are moments you ha- you can't just have a film without any, you don't even want to say lighter moments because how can there be a light moment throughout all of this? But there are some moments, lighter moments, should we say, but I actually found it hard that when those were happening, it's like, why am I laughing? Like, you know, this, it's just, it's just, it's, I found it just quite strange that inevitably to make a film like this, you have to make it accessible and there has to be a story. And clearly Oscar Schindler's story is so, so powerful that that's the way into the film. And for me, it was almost mm. a film about the Holocaust, one, and it was a film about this incredible man who had an amazing heart. And although he was a businessman, he slowly prioritised saving hundreds, thousands of lives above his own yeah. uh, his own needs. And, and the power of that was just so, so strong. The cinema, what? go on. What I really like is that they followed certain families as well that were in and out of the of the factory, almost like little stories about each of those families. And it was nice to see that, you know, they, they survived. And at the end of the film, what I found, which really got me in tears, was when they were visiting Oscar Schindler's grave. And he lived to quite a good age, actually. I think he passed away in the, in the 70s. And they delivered some rocks to his grave, which I believe must have been from the rubble of, of Krakow, I guess. That's what I assumed it was. And they delivered it to his grave. And then the actor of the film, who could have been a child, accompanied by the real life person. This is actually also a book um, by Thomas uh, Keneally. And the screenplay was written by Stephen Zalian. Um, so. It wasn't really Stephen hasn't Stubilberg didn't really go out and do all the research himself on this. He followed a book to support him and obviously used Stephen Zalian to help him with the screenplay of this. But obviously it Steven Spielberg wanted to get this this message and story across, a true story across to everybody to know what his family would have been through during those times during the Holocaust. Yeah. Absolutely. The scene at the end and the scene at the beginning are the only two scenes set in modern day that kind of bookend it. But the scene at the end was put there because he wanted to, he almost almost like credibility for his, for the story that it's true, you know, this stuff happened. So when you see, like you say, the actual people who are the characters you've just witnessed Mm. Um, actually walk up to the grave of um, Oscar Schindler, it's hugely, hugely Mm. powerful. I just want to say a couple of things on the cinematography because obviously mm. it's, it's black and white. Spielberg always wanted it to be black and white. His reasoning was that all his reference points for it was newsreel that was black and white, and he had to fight quite hard to because most of the um, most of the studio producers weren't happy with that. Um, but I thought it did two things. One, obviously, because it. <sighs> There was no colour. Those scenes that were incredibly, yeah, I mean, there's there's many, many difficult scenes to watch. I mean, there's one in particular where the women are stripped and are herded into this chamber room and you're not sure whether they're going to be gassed or showered. And it's a very, very 
difficult scene to watch. But those really stark, brutal scenes shot in black and white have so much more effect on you, I believed. So it was very impactful in that way. But I also thought it had a kind of beauty to it as well. I thought some of the scenes where an Oscar was entertaining all the officers in the restaurants, dance halls, had this almost golden cinema age feel to them, almost this beautiful kind of sheen, which is nostalgic. And I thought it was just beautiful. And also there were, you know, those moments between Oscar um, and Amon, uh, or even Amon with the Jewish maid Helen, those kind of two-handed scenes I think, just shot in black and white. I don't know. There was something about mm. the intimacy of them, which just I just thought looked looked amazing. And, of course, there's the iconic scene that's on the movie poster of the, the little girl dressed in the red coat. That, that's Yeah, one. what did you think of that? I thought it was very nicely done, and I really liked it. The flames on the Sabbath as well, they were in full colour. Yeah, and I think because it all came from a place of symbolism, I think it, I think it all worked incredibly well. This is obviously an account from Oscar Schindler. He, he did see this girl wandering through the streets during this massacre of the ghetto, with, with the officers seemingly ignoring her as she was wandering around. Yeah. And he wanted to take that one bit further and almost in his words he wanted to turn this into a kind of a glaring red flag he he talks about how eisenhower and churchill and roosevelt and stalin would have known about the death camps and in his mind he sees it as something that if they acted upon they may have been able to slow down or prevent and it was this whole idea of no one taking notice you know how accurate of course any of that is you can't say 40% of this was shot with a handheld camera. Spielberg often would just set up scenes uh, without any direction, just set them up, and he would literally just roam around with the handheld camera to just pick up whatever was going on. I mean, talk about the set and set design and the costumes, etc. That must have been immense. The number of people that were involved in that film was, was huge. So the costume design team did an incredible job. And the set, it's like from making torn up towns to camps it must have been a real challenge this film as well but it's an excellent film I just don't want to rate it because it's people are going to have very different opinions to what I have I'm, I'm not Jewish some people are and I don't want to you know I don't want to be controversial in any way at all can I give you um, a factoid? Yeah. So this film was originally offered by Spielberg to Roman Polanski, who turned it Ooh. down because he saw the subject matter as just too personal for him. It was then offered to Martin Scorsese, um, which is what Spielberg wanted. But over a period of time, yeah, Spielberg eventually embraced the whole personal connection he had and with support from his wife. Mm. He then decided he, he can't pass up on the opportunity to make the film. So did a swap with Scorsese. He, he took the film back off Scorsese to direct. And he gave Scorsese the 1991 film Cape Fear, uh, which starred Robert De Niro, which was originally slated for Spielberg to make. So that's how Spielberg wow. ended up uh, directing it in the first place, which I thought was quite interesting. But Spielberg's also done like Band of Brothers <clears throat> as well. So another war film, um, not war film, war TV series. And of course he, you know, one of my favourite films, Empire of the Sun, which was obviously made before Schindler's List. Yeah. That was one of the films that gave him the confidence to go ahead and and tackle the whole subject matter Mm -hmm. of war. 
So I think I think it's totally appropriate that we don't rate the film. Everyone knows the kind of reception it got, um, and obviously different people are going to find it, you know, going to take different emotions away from it. Exactly, exactly. Right, shall we move on to next uh, for our pickings for this week? Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, so Sarah Two Socks, this week, yes. mm-hmm. the film genre you will be watching will be a thriller or horror. <gasps> we have put thriller and horror into the same genre, everybody, because otherwise, if we just had horror, we probably wouldn't have that many on the list, would we? And I get too scared anyway of, of horrors. <laughs> so, I'm not a massive horror fan either, to be fair. <laughs> okay, I've got about seven. Well, my favourite footballer of all time was Brian Robson, who was the captain of the Man United team back in the 80s. Mm. And he wore the number seven. So I'm going with seven. Seven, right. Okay. Totally um, unrelated to film, of course. <laughs> I have a thriller for you. It is Patriot Games. Oh, wow. Patriot Games. Last from the past, 1992 with Harrison Ford and Sean Bean and Anne Archer. This was um, Harrison Ford's like purple patch, wasn't it? This is when he was like the action guy doing all these Jack Ryan type characters. Yeah, Yeah. I love that series. I I thought it was really cool. You can catch it on now tv sky go or amazon or you can rent and buy from other online channels cool great so my turn is it it's your turn i am going to go for it is action so i have mm. 24 action 24 24 24. I've got a lot of action films, actually. I like my action movies. I am going to go for number four. And number four is... <gasps> the Dark Knight. <sighs> Dark Chris- Knight. Hang on a minute. That's got Heath Ledger in it? It has. It has. In an amazing performance ah, as the Joker. So an Oscar is- for that as well. That's right. So this is part of the Dark Knight trilogy by Christopher Nolan. Yeah, I haven't got many comic book films on the list, but I found that this film didn't really feel like a comic book film. But anyway, it's got some amazing scenes in it. And yeah. So it's streaming on uh, Now TV and Sky Go. That's right. And you can also find it on Amazon to rent if you wish and it's available on apple and yeah uh, but i've probably probably find quite a few people have got this one on dvd i imagine as well yeah well we're looking forward to that so this week we have then dark knight and patriot games brilliant looking forward to it as always give us a shout at two small coats at a large popcorn.com and yeah we will talk about anything you want to talk about and hopefully you're listening anybody who has listened Thanks so much. Obviously, this is only a very, very, very small DIY podcast that Sarah and I have primarily shared with friends. So not many people know about it. So if you are listening, we really appreciate it. And we, we, hope, and we hope you're enjoying it. Yeah. Well, adios, amigo. Adios. See you later, Tusok, Sarah. You sound like Speedy Gonzalez. The fastest <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mexican. Andere, andere, andere. Riva, riva. Oh dear. All right then. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.